Let's do it. Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Alvazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between the two of us, we'll answer any automotive questions you have. Why don't you go and give us calls? Get your questions answered, get you some free advice, whatever you might need. That's right. Right now is the perfect time to call, too. That's right. Got all our lines wide open, so just go ahead and give us a call. We'll be glad to put you right up there at the top of the list and get your questions answered for you. There you go. And you know, just in case you don't care to call in, something occurred to you during the week. That's right. Or you maybe think of something after we go off the air at right. 11 o'clock today. You can always visit our website and get your questions answered mm-hmm. there. The address is www.agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. Easy way to remember that is take the acronyms. Alcazan's Garage Company. There you go. Well, I was stuttering this morning. There's a contact bar there on every page. You can mm-hmm. send Lewis an email in day or night, and he'll get it back to you within 24 hours. Should you happen not to get one back in at a, a lot of time, resend it and check the return address. Sometimes we get a bad return address, and when I click the button, it just bounces right back at me, and that's about as far as I can go. I'll look at it and see if I can figure it out, but it's just probably 15 different letters and numbers oh, yeah. and stuff Any there. Any combination. Email address is just no way to possibly figure it out. So never, ever, ever ignore an email. If you hadn't gotten an answer back from me within just – 24 hours, you go ahead and you resend it, and I'll be glad to get it to you. I know, too, I've had people say, well, I sent one, and you never answered. And you got to kind of watch on the form. When you fill it out at the bottom, there's a button that says send this email. You push that, it's going through. And a little letter, like a Post-it note, is going to pop up that says thank you for sending this email. Right. Now, if you push the one below that, it says clear and start over. That clears the form in case you made a mistake and you want to start over. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I ain't ever going to get that one. <laughs> <laughs> so be sure you do send an email. And if you haven't gotten an answer back within 24 hours, you need to check into it if something's wrong. I, I always, always answer the email. You may want to check the way it comes back, too, because it may not come back to your inbox. Right. It may, for some reason, come back to a spam box or something right. like that. So. Some, especially if you send it from work or a, a corporate-type website, a lot right. of those have spam filters, and they may look at it and think it's spam or and whatever filter, filter it, it out. out. So. You might need to check on that as well. Tons and tons of things to do on there. We've got the vehicle questions. There's probably almost 800 of those. So you may find exactly what you're looking for there. If you don't, you just go ahead and do a search, and it'll find it if it's in there. Another thing, too, is the detailed topic section with a lot of really good information. Put one this morning on air filters and whether you really want to change your air filter quite as often as what some people are saying. Right. Nowadays, every time you go to a quick lube or a parts store, oh, change your air filter and get better gas mileage. Well, number one, that's a lie. You're not going exactly. to get better gas mileage. Exactly. Air filter will not affect your gas mileage. Even if it's totally restricted, it will not change the gas mileage. That's right. It can't, it can't, can't happen. <laughs> your, your computer is monitoring how much air that's comes right. in, and it's mixing the fuel with it at right. a certain percentage it's rate, and that's it. just going to cut the fuel back. You may lose a little power, but you're not going to lose fuel mileage. Exactly. And I'm not saying, I'm not advocating a dirty air cleaner is a good thing, but it's not going to cut your fuel mileage. But if it's not changed properly or you put a cheap substandard, it can do a tremendous amount of damage. Almost oh, definitely. So, Even if you let it get real dirty, when mm-hmm. you take it out and you bump it around, and the dust falls, the into, dust the falls into the box. You put a new filter on top of it, that dirty air is going to be sucked right up right. into the engine, so, causing problems. Lots of good pictures and stuff shows exactly what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. That's only one of the things. There's no one on putting nitrogen in your tires. Nowadays, when you go to buy a set of tires, that's one of the big things that can try to hit you is nitrogen filling your tires. You might want right. to read that and find out why you don't want to do that and just go ahead and save your money. <laughs> <laughs> lots and lots of other things as well. Pop on there and see what you think. It's www.agcoauto.com. I think you'll really like it. 
and we're going to our phone line with Richard. Good morning, Richard. Good morning. Yes, Good morning. Sir. I just got something I want to tell everybody. I've been working on these things for 50 years, and okay. you learn something every time. That's true. I had a 2001 Taurus, and, uh-huh. man, you'd put your brake on, try to put it in gear, and it wouldn't go. Okay. Keep stomping your brake. Finally, I realized my brake lights wasn't working all the time. Right. It was the brake light switch. <laughs> Ain't mm-hmm. that, that brake light switch don't work right. Uh-huh. It's not going to come out of park. That's right. That's right. It's got Real a solenoid that locks it into park. Yeah, on a Ford, you got and And i tell you something, too, Richard. If both or all, if all three of the brake lights themselves burn out, it won't come out of park. Well, I, my sweetheart called me from <laughs> New Orleans. Yeah. And we got in quite a organ match. And then I was in New Orleans, and she was on the other side of town. I had to drive over there and get yep. that thing out of park. Yep. I just bought a $10 light switch and put in it, and it works fine. That's exactly right. Go. We see that quite frequently. Yeah. Well, I didn't know if everybody else knew that because I found out the hard <laughs> way. <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> Thank you, sir. All right, Richard. All right, Thank now. you, man. Bye-bye. All right, if you want to be part of the automotive hour, we'd love to have you. And we got Floyd online. Good morning, Floyd. Good morning, sir. Yes, gentlemen. Good How morning. are y'all? Doing We're great, doing sir. Great. Excellent program. Thank you, sir. Thank you. I just bought a new Honda Accord. All right, sir. And I want to use synthetic oil. Okay, sir. At what point should I switch to synthetic? Floyd, I'll tell you what, what mileage. If you are looking for the absolute maximum life out of your car, the best you can do, I'm going to give you what I recommend. Anytime I buy a new car is I do the first oil change around 500 miles, and I use regular oil. The reason being, when that engine is built, as good a job as they do, it is not that clean inside. It's got a lot of machining debris and stuff that's still in there. So I want to get that initial fill out pretty much as soon as possible. So I'm going to change it around 500 miles the first time around, regular oil. Second time around, I'm going to go out about 3,000 miles. Then again, I'm going to use regular oil. The third time, I'm going to change it 3,000 miles, which is going to put you at about 6,500, and I'm going to go to synthetic. Good. That's what I wanted to hear. Because what I, I have heard, and I can't substantiate this, but I've heard from pretty qualified people, if you put the synthetic in there immediately, the engine may not seat in because it pretty much breaks up all of the wire, and those rings and all don't seat to the cylinders quite as well as they will with a, a lower grade of oil. Now, what you also want to do is keep using the Honda filters. Yes, Go, yeah, go, go to the dealer, yeah, get go, the Honda filter. Buy, buy your hand, If you change all yourself, buy your handful of those filters and use those. Get the little O-rings that go on the drain plug. Yeah, yeah little, that's a aluminum ring. Right. That's what I understood, too. I understood they crush. They do. They do. That, that little ring will crush, and what happens is if you tighten it down again, it's going to leak. So if you tighten it a little more to stop the leak, you'll end up pulling the threads out of the pan. Right. right. There's, also, there's also a torque spec on that drain plug. I'm not real familiar with that particular model of brand-new Honda. But for the years, it's been like 33 foot-pounds. Right. But you need to check, check see where the torque is yeah. on that drain plug. Mm-hmm. And when, when you buy the filter, this guy gave me the, the, the little ring with sometimes it. Sometimes they do. Yeah. I, I don't know if all stores give you the ring. I don't know, Some do, Floyd. some don't. Some do, some don't. I buy those filters by the case from Honda, and when they come in a case, I don't get the little ring, so i got to buy the little ring separately. Uh, so I buy those rings in a bag of about, I don't know what's, 50 of them or so yeah, in a bag like at a that. time. That's how we buy them. It, when you go to the regular Honda dealer and they sell you the filter, they normally will throw in that little right. ring because I don't think it costs 10 or 15 cents. If it's not, not a, be sure to ask for it. Yeah, ask for it. If not, I don't think right. it's a real expensive thing. Yeah, I, I don't know if everybody knew that, but mm-hmm. uh, I know you have to change it. Yeah. Thanks so much. All you right, got a good program. You should be on national uh, radio. <laughs> well, well, thank, thank you, you, sir. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 Bye.
And we've got Robbie on the line. Good morning, Robbie. Good morning. I have a 2008 Toyota Tacoma. Okay. Two-wheel drive. It's got the, that newer V6 engine that they've designed. Yes, sir. The question I have is my gas mileage just seems a lot lower than what I would expect. Plus, it doesn't change from highway to city or if I'm pulling my party barge, which doesn't weigh but about 2,800 pounds. Really? But I get 17 miles per gallon all the time. That's kind of and strange. I've read a little bit on the Internet where mm-hmm. there were some people that were saying from the factory they had problems with the valves not being set right. And I do have black residue, oily-type-looking you know, residue fuel smell. Yes, sir. On my tailpipe. Okay. Is there a way to check that? Because I did bring it back to the dealership once, and they said, hey, nothing's wrong with it. You just, you know, that's the gas mileage that truck's getting. Yeah. They told me. Yeah, there's a, a few things that you can check, Robbie. You can check what they call fuel trim. And what fuel trim is, is when the air comes into the engine, the airflow meter is looking at and measuring it. And then the computer is monitoring how much fuel it has to add. And it knows from that calculation what it should take. If it requires additional fuel to get the mixture right, according to the O2 sensors, the difference is going to go down is what they call fuel trim. And it keeps track of that. So I can go in with a Toyota scan tool. I can pull up the fuel trim and see if it's adding additional fuel over and above what it would normally ask for, according to the airflow meter and the, the normal calculations. Now, one thing, Robbie, that really cuts fuel mileage down is you might want to check and make sure the engine's running at full operating temperature because just a few degrees too cool will really knock that fuel mileage down. Normally, it's going to run close to 200 degrees. If you knock that down to 180, you're going to knock your fuel mileage down about five or six miles to the gallon. Oh, really? Oh, absolutely. So you want to make sure nobody put a wrong thermostat in. The thermostat's not stuck open or... The cooling fans aren't staying on when they shouldn't stay on. Temperature is one of the biggest inputs to a fuel injection system. Reason being, you know, the old carburetors had a choke. Injectors don't have a choke. So when the engine is cold, which 180 degrees is cold to an engine, it starts increasing the pulse width on the injector. And it doesn't matter so much if it is cold or if it thinks it's cold. So you can have something like a coolant temperature sensor that's out of range. Even though the engine's full of temperature, it doesn't know it and it could sit there and and give it more gas. So those are some of the most common things. Now, beyond that, Robbie, you might want to check which options you have as far as a rear-end ratio and all. If you got a fairly low rear-end ratio in that truck, you know, for pulling, then your fuel mileage is definitely going to suffer. You know, there's that particular mileage isn't going to get much better than that. So they come equipped with different rear-end ratios, and you may be that you've got a lower ratio, which is good in a way. It gives you a lot of pulling power, but it's kind of bad in a way because your mileage is going to suffer. 17 isn't, isn't horrible for any kind of truck. That's what a lot of trucks get. But you want to make sure you're getting all you can get. Yeah, that's what I was concerned with because I know, you know, I know looking at the sticker doesn't tell you a whole lot. Right. I bought it from the dealer. Mm-hmm. But, you know, their lowest point was 17. I thought, man, I would be getting something <laughs> better. Well, you got to remember the way the EPA rates those things is running without the air conditioner on, flat land, test fan, professional driver, yeah, 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 yeah. One thing, too, is they're using pure gasoline when they're measuring that. So we're getting 10% ethanol. Now, when you put 10% ethanol now, you're going to lose some of your gas mileage because alcohol doesn't have as much energy as gasoline does. So you Speaking burn that is, is there an additive that you can put that you would recommend putting no. in the gas to help with that ethanol problem? No, no, there really isn't. In fact, I'm writing an article right now on that. You might want to watch the website in the next couple of weeks. It's going to cover that. But no, if you, if you factor in the cost of the additive, you're going to be you're going to be spending more money for fuel than what you're spending with 
just using regular high-quality gasoline. Now, what you might want to do, I don't know what brand, you can't mention brands on the air, but if you're using a department store gasoline or one of the aftermarket kind of uh, no-name brand gasolines, you might want to try some few tanks full of Shell or Texaco or Chevron or Exxon or one of the name brands and see if your yes, mileage sir. goes up. Yes, sir. I appreciate it. Thank Alrighty. you so much for your help. All right, Thank you, man. Bye-bye. All right, we got to take a quick little break. John, you hang on. You'll be straight up after this break. Travel my way, take the highway, that's the best. I get your kicks on Route 66. It winds from Chicago to L.A. Oh, I had a bad dream the other night. Can't be worse than mine. I was buried up to my neck in the desert, surrounded by an army of prairie dogs, and their leader rides up. Rides? Yep, it's Yule Brenner, and he orders me to eat this huge mound of candy corn. So all the prairie dogs line up and feed it to me piece by piece. I'll never look at that Halloween confectionery the same again. What about you? Well, I dreamed I forgot to schedule my annual general inspection at Agco, and my car left me stranded on I-10. Now that's scary. Agco Automotive is here with the best way to keep up with car maintenance. Get our annual general inspection. You pick the month, we check out your vehicle and recommend any maintenance you may need, which can save you costly repairs down the road. That was a freaky dream. Were you on medication, or did you eat anything strange? Uh, yeah. I actually ate a whole bag of candy corn left over from Halloween. 2014. Oh. Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco. It's the place to go. I'm your host, Louis Aldezan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between two of us, we'll answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go ahead and give us a call? I'll be glad to try to help you out and point you in the right direction. And we're going right back to our lines with John. Good morning, John. Good morning. Yes, Good sir. morning, sir. I've got a 206 G6 Pontiac. Okay, sir. Mm-hmm. And I said that uh, the steering, the electrical steering uh, was bad on a lot of Have you had a lot of recalls, a lot of problems with that? Some, we've had to change out some steering columns and some motors on them. Basically, it's got the same setup as the Cobalt and the Saturn Ion. Yeah. It's just, I mean, it's, it's kind of a weird little old setup. It, you got a steering column with a module, and it's got a motor on it. It looks kind of like a starter motor, only a little smaller that goes right in the side of it. And from what I understand about it, the motors were defective, and they were drawing too much amperage and freaking out that the module. module. And what happens is you're driving along, and you go to turn, all of a sudden it's real hard to turn. Yeah. Uh, well, my daughter-in-law's got a 09 with mm-hmm. 30,000 miles. She's already had to replace one of them. Mm-hmm. I hadn't Did had they do it, it under warranty for her? Well, yeah, she had hers on the warranty. Okay, good. Mine's a 06, and it runs out in another year. You know, it's just five-year warranty. Yes. I'm just wondering if they've had quite a few 06s in there. Oh, uh, we've seen some. Yeah. We've seen some. Yes, sir. I mean... In my opinion, John, I say this every week, but the longer they build cars, the sorry they get. Yeah. I mean, the newer stuff is just so, just stuff like this. You know, you don't yeah. think about when you buy a car that's going to need an $800 steering column well, put in it. You right know? now, it drives good, and i got yeah. no problem except when, you know, hers went bad. It's 09. Yes. Right. I said, I better do something. Well, there's really nothing to do other than 
either check and see if it's a recall or if it's a recall, get it replaced. If it's not a recall, just wait and see if it goes out. If it goes out, you have to deal with it. I guess I'll just have to wait to see if it goes out. Yes, I have recall thing. Not all of them go out. I now, mean, I looked on the uh, web page under Kelly Blue Book or something yes, other about mm-hmm. the best cars or so, uh-huh. and it didn't have an 06 model that had been recalled. They had... Mm-hmm. You know, the ones above it, but they, I couldn't find where they'd recall the old 6 They may not have. I know they recalled the Cobalt and they recalled the Ion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I haven't seen the G6 being recalled for that problem, although it is a very similar setup. Well, if it gets recalled and it's out of warranty, I'm going to be looking straight at you. Yeah, that'd be good. We can take care of it. What I generally try to do, John, at one time you had to buy the motor and the column together. Yeah. Since then, they've come out, the motor is separate. So we may get by just changing the motor on it. They just changed uh, a part of one side of hers. I forget what it was. Probably the motor, yes, sir. They've broken the motor out of a separate piece, a lot less expensive. I want to say the motor's about a $200 part. It takes about an hour to change, so it's not a real bad thing like it used to be where you had to change the whole column out. Well, you know, I don't drive it that much, Mm -hmm. but the warranty is going to be out here in another six or eight months. Yes, sir. So, uh, well, what you might want to do, John, is bring that thing to me. Let me do a pre-warranty expiration inspection. Yeah. What that is, we'll go all through the car and see anything that is going wrong that's not giving you symptoms yet, and that way you can get it back and get it taken care of under warranty. For instance, so you may have an oil leak that's not dripping on the ground yet. Well, how would you know? And yeah. your air conditioner may be working but not working at full efficiency. Again, how would you know? Or let's say the intake's starting to leak, but it's not really losing a lot of coolant yet. And again, you would not know. Yeah. You're going to know a year from now when it's out of warranty and you got a big old repair bill. You better leave that's when it so starts. So you get it to me, I can check it, I can give you a list of all the things that are fixing to go out, and you take it back and get it done. And I mean, you're not getting anything for nothing. You paid for that warranty. That was included in the price of your car. Well, you better believe it. I man. mean, they, they dumped 2500 bucks on the price of that car to cover warranty costs. And if you don't get it, then you more or less just leaving the money on the table. So we do a lot of those inspections, and, I mean, the best thing is you bring it in, I tell you, hey, ain't nothing wrong with it, and great, at least you got peace of mind. But a lot of times we'll check them and find five, six hundred, a thousand dollars worth of stuff wrong. You go get it taken care of while it's still under warranty, and that way when your warranty ends, at least you got your money's worth. Okay, that that sounds like a winner. I'm going to drive a little longer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, when you get close, maybe a month month from being out. Then then I'll I'll probably touch base with you. That would be good. Thank you, man. All right, John, bye-bye. Hi, if you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, we'd love to have you. Go ahead and give us a call. I'll try to help you out and point you in the right direction. We see that quite a bit where we do the pre-warranty expiration inspection. And I know we did one on a little Ford Ranger truck the other day. Mm-hmm. And gentleman was, I don't know, a month from being out of warranty. And he had been taking it back to the dealership to get the oil changes done every single time. Right. So he says, well, he says, they inspect me. They check it pretty good, but my wife just insists she listens to your radio show. So I'm going to bring it in. But Well, the first thing we jacked up and looked under there, and both the lower ball joint boots were busted. Uh-huh. And he says, well, why didn't they tell me that? I said, well, because they're not getting paid but half the going rate under warranty. They don't want to do warranty work. Exactly. They're not going to tell you anything. They'll wait to get out of warranty, and they get full price for it. That's right. <laughs> but, you know, he had two busted lower ball joint boots. He had some valve cover gaskets that were just starting to leak. It wasn't running down the ground dripping yet. Right, but it was But it was the... starting to leak. Right. And his air conditioner was about 20 degrees warmer than it needed to be. Uh-huh. And this particular fellow just wasn't that picky. He says, well, I noticed it wasn't cooling that good, but I just felt it was just because it was so hot. But he was able to get all of those covered under warranty, and he called me back. He said, man, I want to thank you. That's the best money ever spent. He was able to go back and get it all done. But 
Yeah, don't count on them telling you what's under warranty. Oh, exactly. In fact, manufacturer will tell you you cannot sell warranty work. And if they don't come in with a complaint, you're not supposed to say anything. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. They will discourage you pointing out warranty work. Uh-huh. I mean, if it's a safety concern, maybe so. But if it's just something that's not really hurting anything that you can see and it's going to make it through the warranty period, right? pretty much keep your mouth shut. Let it, let it go and it'll come back on cash pay. That's right. So anyway, wow. I'm not saying that's right. I'm just saying that's the way I've seen it be. So. Right. And we've got Charles on the line. Good morning, Charles. How are you, Lewis? I'm great. I have a 98 grand marquee mm-hmm. and it had an air conditioner problem about 3,000 miles ago. Okay. The electric cooling fan on the radiator up there yes, sir. was mm-hmm. working, mm-hmm. and I found out it had a burn contact on the plug on the harness. Okay. So I replaced that okay. and gone 3,000 miles, and it quit again, and yes, I sir. see that this plug is, is yes, burned. Sir. What happens, Charles, the reason that that contact burns is because the motor is drawing too much amperage. Uh, that's what I was going to ask you. Yes, sir. The, motor. The, the bushings go bad in the motor, and it starts to pull too much amperage. Usually, anytime you see a burn connection, that is a symptom of the problem and not the actual problem. Okay. So, what so you're going to have to do. Exactly. And if you want to verify that, there's a little device called an amp meter that you can put on the line and measure the amperage. It's supposed to have a sustained amperage of about 10 amps. Normally, they're pulling close to about 30 when that occurs. So, you got three times the amount of amperage the connector can stand, and it'll burn those connections up. But almost any time you see a burn connection, look at the load, and that's where your problem's going. Okay. All right. Thank you very much. Thank you, sir. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Going back to phone lines with Jay. Good morning, Jay. Good morning. Yes, Good sir. morning. I got a 2006 Isuzu I-280 pickup. Okay. Uh-huh. Got about 75,000 miles on it. Something that started doing about a month ago, if I'm using an air conditioner when I go to decelerate, mm-hmm. and it doesn't matter if I'm going really fast or just like going 20 and then I go to stop. My RPMs kind of bounce between 500 and 800 a little bit, probably three or four times, and it finally lines out and it'll stop, you know, and, and, mm-hmm. and idle right. I know on older vehicles when you use the air conditioning, they had a spark advance, but I, it's a new vehicle. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't expect they still got that. That's oh, no. Cool. No, the computer handles all that. Jay, I would suspect one of two things. Most common on that would be a dirty throttle body if the throttle body is dirty when it closes it doesn't close all the way because of that little rim of carbon and so it kind of freaks out the tps and there's this seeing the throttle partially open so it's not going to necessarily pick the idle back up fast enough and that is one thing that'll do it that's relatively easy to fix just go in and clean the throttle body and see what happens there is a special cleaner to clean that throttle plate with because it is anodized mm-hmm. to seal up all the micro holes that are in the metal Mm-hmm. So if you put the wrong chemical on it, you can wipe that anodizing, that off. anodizing off, which will allow air to go through right, the start seep through it. Okay. So you, you need to make sure if you're going to do it yourself, you get the right, right stuff to do it with. Right. Cleaning the throttle by it's would be the first really thing. Second thing would be the idle control servo may just be getting lazy on it. It's a little motor that picks up the idle when you let off. And the reason it's going to do it when you got the air on is because you got about an extra 40 horsepower draw on the motor. So when the air is off, you can kind of deal with it. But when the air is on, it's a lot more draw. You slam that throttle shut, the RPM drop way down, the idle motor just doesn't pick it up quite fast enough. Any motor, it can get a little slower when it gets old. So that would be the two things that I would suspect on it. And those idle servos, you just have to check with the dealer. I'm not sure how expensive they are. Some of your Jap cars are pretty pricey. Some of them, they're not. But I would try cleaning the throttle body first or having it cleaned. On that motor, uh, that's not a something that just anybody can change is it does it have to be set idle servo uh, no it's pretty straightforward to change but i mean i wouldn't just change it until i knew for sure that was a problem 
Because it's probably going to be pretty expensive. I'm not sure on a Suzu because we just don't work on that many of them. On like a Chevrolet or a Ford, it's right on the top. takes five minutes to change it. I know on some of your Toyotas and stuff, it's under the throttle body. It's about an hour and a half, two-hour job to change. Well, it looks just like the Colorado, so I imagine. Yeah, it may be right there on top on the throttle body. Now, you got to watch, too. I'm not sure on 2006, but a lot of those have drive-by-wire. If you got drive-by-wire and there's no throttle cable on it, then it's not going to be the, the idle servo because the computer controls that through the drive-by-wire. Uh-huh. You got to be real careful when you mess with that throttle plate too. Right. With a drive-by wire system, because it could decide to close on you. Right. While you got it wedged open. Whack your fingers. Yeah. <laughs> and you can strip the motor if you. Yeah, you want to make sure the the key is completely off and all that kind of stuff when you. Yeah, mess it, with it's it. not as easy to to clean as the ones with the cable on them. Right. All right. Well, I appreciate it. Okay, Jay. All right, sir. Thank you, man. Bye-bye. All right, we got to take one more quick little break. Howard, Jim, Wayne, hang on. You guys will be straight up after this break. Phew. I had a bad dream last night. Girl, me too. I was out on a date with Matthew McConaughey. Well, that doesn't sound too bad. But literally, all he could say was... All right, all right, all right. Still, it's... In auto-tune. All right, all right, all right. All right, all right, all right. Over and over and over. Oh, it was a nightmare. What about you? I dreamed I forgot to schedule my annual general inspection at AGCO, which cost me thousands in repair. Now that's scary. AGCO Automotive's general inspection is the best way to make sure your car performs at its peak and you're not surprised by any major repairs. Bring your vehicle in once a year and we'll recommend any maintenance. We can even help decide if it's worth fixing or time for you to purchase another. My dream was scary, but yours was, uh, all wrong, all wrong, all wrong. (laughs) Okay, are you finished now? Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Aldazan, got Mr. Brian Terry right here by my side. And between two of us, we'll answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go ahead and give us a call? We're going right straight back to our lines with Wayne. Good morning, Wayne. Good morning, Lewis. Yes, sir. I've got an 03 Ford with a 4.2 liter engine. Okay, sir. And just in the last couple of days, running from town back to the house, mm-hmm. I'm getting a, a smell. It's like a, a burnt oil smell on the valve covers, and I've noticed a little smoke when I checked it. On the valve covers, it looks like where the PCV valve would be. Okay. But this thing is, I've looked it up online, and this is an oddball PCV valve. Would that Could that be the It could be, yes, problem? sir. Yes, sir. A couple of ways a PCV valve can cause a problem. They're kind of bad, Wayne. They've got like a hard, they got a rubber fitting at the valve with a hard plastic line with another rubber fitting back by the throttle body. That rubber fitting can rupture, and when it does, it quits sucking the fumes out, and the fumes just kind of leak out. That's one thing. Another is the grommet where it goes into the valve cover can dry rot and, and leak there. And, of course, the last one is the valve covers themselves can leak, and when they do, they all run down to the exhaust manifold and burn, and you'll get a lot of smell. Yeah, this doesn't look like it's, you know, valve, cover. valve covers. Okay. It's just a very slight leak. Well, I'm going to tell you what you can do to kind of sort of test it, Wayne, is with the engine running, 
take your all filler cap off, you know, where you put the oil in, yeah. and see if any smoke starts coming out of there. Because when you okay. take that cap off, there shouldn't anything come out there because the PCV valve ought to be sucking it out and burning it in the motor. Okay. It starts puffing out smoke right there. Chances are that PC system's not working properly. All right. And they use four or five different kind of valves on those. One of those valves is water-cooled. It's got like two little pipes on it, and it runs coolant through there on the PCV valve for some reason. Yeah, I, I, I think that's what I've got. It's got the yeah. main. Those are kind of pricey. Those are probably about $25, dollars got to get yeah, them from the Ford dealer. I've checked at the Ford dealership, and they don't even carry it. Yeah. All right, Lewis, I right. appreciate it. Thanks, sir. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right, if you want to be part of the automotive hour, we'd love to have you. And we've got Howard on the line. Good morning, Howard. Good morning, sir. Yes, sir. I got a Lexus I'm looking at used vehicle that uh-huh. I want to purchase. All right, sir. And it's an LS400 from okay. 1994. Uh-huh. And I took it driving a little bit. Everything runs great on it. So it was a grandma that owned it. Uh-huh. And it only has 100,000 miles on it. Okay. So it's, it's a nice it's a nice condition. But I noticed that whenever I drive it, the speedometer and the fuel gauge are, are going off on me. And the whole panel will blink on and off. Every yes, and I, I, it's not consistent. It doesn't happen if I hit a bump. It doesn't happen if I right. lose it. Yeah. Just... We've changed out a few of those instrument panels and those powered back in the day when those cars were more popular. They had a little trouble with the instrument clusters in them. That sounds probably like an instrument cluster panel itself going bad. Okay. There's not a whole lot else. Other than, almost everything is contained in the cluster, all digitized. But that is most likely what you're going to be into. I mean, I have to see it to say for sure. But if it's the gas gauge and another gauge, if it was one gauge or the other, I'd say maybe a sensor. But with both of them malfunctioning, odds are it's going to be the instrument cluster itself. Okay, is that is that something that you can still order? Are those parts still available? Or? Oh, yeah, Lexus, you could probably get any part for that car. Toyota, Lexus, and Honda are not like the big three. They don't discontinue parts after a few years. I mean, I've got a guy who's got an 83 model Toyota Tercel four-wheel drive station wagon. So how obscure is that? And we can still get any parts you want for it. Okay, what do you think that kind of job would do to change that instrument cluster? Not much labor, but it's an expensive part. Labor's probably only 85 bucks or so, but the part could be pretty pricey. Now, I tell you, too, you might just want to look online, Howard. There are people online who rebuild instrument clusters, and that might be a way less expensive option for you. I know generally they charge in the three to $400 range to rebuild one. And I've had pretty good luck with the rebuilt ones. I've, I've never bought one myself, but I've had customers bring them to me, and I put them in for them. Great. Well, I appreciate that information. Okay, man. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. If you want to be part of the automotive hour, we would love to have you. And we've got Jim has been patiently holding. Good morning, Jim. Hey, good morning. Yes, sir. Good morning. Calling for a friend who has an 03 Camry. Okay. And she has a rattle underneath the hood when she accelerates. Okay. Um, generally from, like, from a standing start. Uh-huh. And it has been diagnosed as a problem with the intake manifold. Doing a online search, mm-hmm. I've discovered that that's kind of a common problem mm-hmm. with these cars. And the problem is she just lost her job, mm-hmm. and she doesn't have any money. Mm-hmm. And her question is, does it hurt it to drive like that? Most likely not. Jim, if it's the problem that I'm thinking of, and again, it's been a while since I've seen one, it's really more of an annoyance than a problem. You might okay. want to have that verified, but because yeah, I hadn't seen the car, I don't know exactly what's wrong with this one. But if I recall that little rattling noise, there are a lot of them that do have that, and it is really more just an annoyance than actually a problem. I don't think it okay. hurts the car. All right. Well, I appreciate your opinion. All right, man. Fine. Thank you, sir. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. If you want to be part of the automotive hour, we would love to have you. And we've got Josh on the line. Good morning, Josh. Yes. Yes, sir. I, uh, I have an 03 Crown Vic. Okay. 
and the blender door quit working on me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering what it entails to... Well, it depends on which one it is, Josh. There's four of them under there. One of them is very easy, uh, less than an hour to change. Okay. Two of them are about a two-and-a-half to three-hour, and the fourth one, you have to pull the entire dash out, which is a monster. Now, most of the time, well, I'm not going to say most times, some of the time it's not the actuator that breaks. It is the blend door itself. In okay. fact, if you go on my website, type in, like, heater or something like that in the search bar, it'll bring up an article that I've got with pictures. The socket on that blend door in the middle of the dash breaks. It's kind of a hex-shaped socket where the actuator motor goes in, and it cracks because it's made out of cheap junk plastic. And Ford, in their infinite wisdom, does not sell that door. They sell you an entire evaporator case, which means you got to pull the entire dash, the entire evaporator case, discharge air, and just drain the cooling system to change this little door. If that's the one it is, it's a real big deal. Okay. Well, it, it doesn't, the heating and the cooling are both shut off. All I get is the outside. I don't know if that. That could just be the recirc door. Mm-hmm. I just have to see it, Josh. It depends on, like I said, there's four different doors on it, and they all give a similar type of uh, symptom, and it depends on where they break. They break in one position, it's going to blow hot air. They break in another position, air just works, but not the heater. And they break in another one, you get ambient air. Okay. So it, you just have to determine which one it is. One other thing you might be able to do, if you don't want to spend the money right now, you may be able to put it off a while. Sometimes we can get in there and just block the door open, say, towards air conditioning. Mm-hmm. And the AC will work, but, of course, when it comes winter, you're going to have to do something. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> okay. All righty. Well, cool. Thank you. Yes, sir. Thank All you. Right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hi, if you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, and we've got Peter online. Good morning, Peter. Hey, good morning. Who yes, says sir. you can't get good advice, good cheap <laughs> advice from uh, from McCann? And hey, on Saturday, come that's on. Right. That's right. Hey, it's, it. it's worth every penny you pay for it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, well, he, here it is. Right. O2 Wrangler 6 cylinder 5 mm-hmm. speed. Yes, sir. I pretty much already know what the new, or I think I know what the news is mm-hmm. already. Here's the deal. I've got good pedal okay. on the clutch. Mm-hmm. I'll get, and it's kind of strange, too, because occasionally it'll fade on me, mm-hmm. but either way down at the bottom or, or even, and though I don't usually throw it neutral and coast, mm-hmm. you know, I'll get about a, maybe a three-eighths of an inch drop in it. You know, I'll just be feeling it yes, sir. when I'm coasting down. Now, the problem is I got serious trouble shifting when the engine's running, I right. cannot put it in reverse. Right. I put right. it in reverse yes. before I not start. releasing. And you know, I'm thinking, yeah, I probably need a new clutch, but I'm wondering. Not and I know the slave is inside the bell house. It is. Right. What you need to do, Peter, check the fluid level. If the fluid level is full, I've way checked it. As a matter of fact, mm-hmm. I thought, well, maybe the viscot, you know, maybe that fluid was kind of. So no. I drank some out, put some new drain. Okay, it was some. full though. It's full. Okay, if it's full, it's not losing. That means the slave's not leaking. Most likely, the master cylinder is bypassing. In other words, when you're mashing the pedal, what's happening, instead of pushing the they fluid out the fluid. to the slave, it's just bypassing going back to the reservoir. Because mm-hmm. anything else, you'd be losing fluid. I got you. So you think... I, I mean, it may it. need a clutch, too, but yeah. that sure sounds, with the pedal dropping and all that stuff, that sounds more like the master cylinder. So you're thinking, now, if I do change that master here... That's, just might that's well. a piece of cake. Get all we can get. Yeah, but bleeding that slave and all once I change the mask. 
<laughs> it's hard, yeah. But thing is, if you're gonna put a clutch in, let's say the whole clutch is bad, well, I, I you're not will, gonna do it. You're not gonna that. put a clutch without putting a mouth cylinder anyway. Oh, of course. So you ain't lost the thing. Go ahead and put a master on it first and see if it doesn't get – that may fix it. I got you. I got you. And and I understand you can buy the, you know, those masters kind of like pre-filled and stuff You can, like but this one you wouldn't be able to do that because you'd have to pull the transmission out to change right. it. Right, right. So you're going to have to just get it. Now, I mean, you might want to bring in somebody and let them install it. It's not that much labor to do it and have them bleed it out because it is a booger to bleed. Right. we got a special machine that first bleeds them that does a – pretty good job on it it can be a bear I mean, it's not something you can't do but it's just kind of hard right well look guys i really appreciate it. Right. i'm gonna try that because i'm just trying to stretch a little well, absolutely bit and even if you come back and change the clutch later you still want to change the master anyway yeah, exactly so you hadn't lost I'd anything changed, i'd be changed the whole deal anyway that's right thank you guys okay, i appreciate man. it thank you sir bye-bye hi you want to be part of the automotive hour and we've got bob on the line good morning bob hey dad good yes, morning i've got two 2007 saturns one's a Four, one's a six. Uh-huh. Four was not getting, uh, blowing very cold AC out, uh-huh. and so we took it to the dealer, and they said it needed a new compressor, so okay. they did that. Now my six is doing the same thing, except occasionally it will blow a real cold blast. So does that sound like another compressor, or maybe just low on Freon? Well, probably neither one. You just need to check and see what's wrong with it, but if it blows cold sometimes, then the refrigerant side sounds like it's working, I mean, there's a lot of things that can make an AC not blow cold other than a refrigerant problem. you got blend doors under the dash. If that blend door is stuck open, it's reheating the air, it's not going to get very cold air. And eventually, if it closes off, then it will. So, I mean, there's tons of things on there. If it ever gets cold, the compressor doesn't all of a sudden get good. It's not bad and gets good. Also, it doesn't all of a sudden get full of when it wasn't before, a refrigerant. So that's more of an intermittent type thing. It needs to be properly diagnosed. Like a temperature sensor or something, say, in a blender? Well, all sorts of things. I mean, it's probably four dozen different things that can cause that. You just need to get somebody competent and have it diagnosed properly. That's something the computer can... can no, mm-hmm. sir. It takes a qualified technician to find that. Okay. Good enough. Well, thank right. you. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. This is a number of you. You want to be part of the automotive. Right. We'd love to have you. And we got to take one last quick little break. Gene, hold on. You'll be straight up after this break. <laughs> Man, I had a bad dream the other night. Oh, me too. I was abducted by aliens, but they weren't little green men. They looked more like a cross between a chicken and a gremlin. Like the 80s movie? Yeah, so they take me up to this spaceship and onto this theater stage, and in the audience sits all the cats of my ex-girlfriends, and they're just sitting there judging me. Even Mr. Piddles, who I actually kind of liked. Oh, uh, what was your dream? I dreamed I forgot to schedule my annual general inspection at Agco and my car broke down. Now that's scary. Hey, at Agco Automotive, we know it's hard to keep up with maintenance. What do I do at 15,000 miles? What do I do at 75? We recommend an annual general inspection. Just pick a month and bring in the vehicle. We'll give it the once over and can recommend any maintenance you may need before something causes bigger problems down the road. So did they take you to their leader? No, they made me watch a cat video reenactment of Steel Magnolias. It was horrible. Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Hey, welcome back. 
to the final segment of the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Alvazan, president of Agco Automotive. Got our lead tech, Mr. Brian Terry, right here in my co-pilot seat. So between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Let's go right straight back to our phone lines. Gene, good morning, Gene. Good morning. How are you doing, Louis? Doing great, good sir. Good morning. I got a... My daughter has a 2004 Jeep Wrangler, uh-huh. five-speed, five six-cylinder. Okay, sir. Uh, last week or so, the clutch has not been uh, disengaging, shifting. It got tougher and tougher shifting. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. And on Thursday, basically, you can't shift. It's locked okay. up. I ended up driving it home in second gear to get another car for it. Mm-hmm. So I was thinking something to do with throw-out bearing or something like that, but I've never been inside or under this vehicle. So yeah. No clue. It could be. I mean, it, how does the pedal feel, Gene? Does it feel normal? It feels normal. Okay, uh, if, if the pedal feels normal, then most likely the clutch itself has just worn out. The disc has gotten thin. What happens is that as the disc thins out, it takes more and more to disengage it. And what's happening is that it's not fully disengaging. So the motor is still coupled to the transmission. So when you're trying to shift it, you're trying to take two gears that are turning at a different speed and jam them together. Yeah. And it's got a brass ring in there called a synchronizer, and that synchronizer can't stop that motor. So it basically tears the transmission up if you keep trying to shift it. Right. So, I mean, it's going to be something in the clutch itself. Just like the caller we had before, he had a problem where his pedal was sinking down. The pedal didn't feel normal, and I told him maybe a master cylinder. But on this one, I would assume it's probably going to be the clutch itself. How many miles does she have on it, Gene? About 50,000, Wow, low mileage, yeah. It just depends on how hard she is on the clutch. And I'm not accusing anybody of anything, but a lot of folks tend to ride a clutch. I think and, that's the case. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you can literally burn a clutch out in 5,000 miles. Most clutches are warranted for the life of the facing. And that can be 200,000 miles, or that can be 2,000 miles. When the facing's worn out, then your warranty's gone. And that's just about how they do them. Because if you're a hard driver, you can definitely wear them out pretty quick. Probably need to do after you get it fixed is maybe go ride with her and just explain to her about that clutch pedal. You want to either have it all the way on the floor or all the way off of it. Don't ever be in between, because when you're in between, you're wearing it out pretty fast. Yeah. I would almost bet you it's going to be a clutch problem. I'll tell you how you can isolate that real easy yourself, Gene, is with the motor not running, just sitting in the dry, in the parking lot, don't start the motor, see if you can't shift it in all the gears. And if you can shift it in all the gears with the motor not running, it's a clutch. Gotcha. Because, see, it's not the motor's not turning, so it's not keeping it from going in. If it won't shift with the motor not running, then you're into the transmission, which is kind of doubtful. Okay. All righty. All right. Last question then. Yes, what, sir. Go ahead. What, how many zeros are in the price? A bunch. Clutch? <laughs> it's expensive. I mean, you got to basically clutch pressure plate, throw out bearing. It's possible the flywheel can be damaged. And normally you want to change the master cylinder on it or at least inspect it. If it's still good, you might be able to get by with it that lower mileage. But it's pretty pricey. It's, you know, it's going to be probably a five or six hour job to pull that transmission out to change it. So, you know, labor rates run anywhere from 85 to $100 an hour in Baton Rouge. So you can kind of do the math on that. And then the clutch is probably another three, four $400. So it'd probably be knocking on a $1,000 bill, maybe a little less. Gotcha. All right. Well, you've, you've answered my question. All, All right, sir. Thank you, sir. Bye-bye. Bye. Hi, if you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, we've got Drew online. Good morning, Drew. Hey, I got a 92 Ford E150 club okay, wagon sir. van. And mm-hmm. a month or two ago, the oil pressure gauge doesn't work, it seems like. Yes, sir. It's still running fine. It's mm-hmm. got oil in it. Okay. Uh, what could be the problem? Well, the simplest thing on that, Drew, would be the sender unit has gone bad. And one way you can kind of sort of diagnose that yourself, if you can find the sender unit, unplug the wire and see if the gauge goes all the way one way or the other, either all the way down or all the way up. And then take and ground the wire and see if it goes all the way the other way. 
If it does, then that means the gauge itself is working. And the wiring to it's And the wiring working. is working. So you've tested two things with just one little simple test. Now, if that's the case, then I would just put a new sender unit in there and see if that doesn't fix it. Now, the third option is that the engine is losing oil pressure. You'd have to take the sender unit out, put a known good gauge in there, and test it that way. But if you're not getting any knocking or rattling or any of that, chances are that's not the case. I, so I, my bet would be probably the sender unit, and it's relatively easy to change. I mean, it's something you could probably do yourself. Okay, I appreciate that. Uh, all right, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right, remember, you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, we got about five more minutes, so you go ahead and give us a call. We'll be glad to try to help you out and get you some free in advice. In the right direction? That's right. <laughs> and, you know, just in case you don't get a chance to call in, we run out of time. That's right. You can always visit the website get your questions answered there. Mm-hmm. The address is www.agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. Right. You can take the acronyms, Altazan's Garage Company. Easy way to find it. Get you to the site. There's a contact bar on every page. You can send Lewis an email any time of the day or night, and he'll get his question back within 24 hours. There's also several databases you can search on there. And if you had not been on there in a while, you're going to be surprised because I work on that site probably every single day, add content, change content, update content. So if you hadn't been on there in a while, you may be surprised at how much new stuff is on there. Is it a new yeah. uh, vehicle questions oh, to article? Add those every single day, detailed topics every single week. And there's just lots and lots and lots of things on there. One lady called last week, and she was asking if we could replay one of our old shows that she had right. heard. Right. And when you go on the site, you're going to notice there's a thing where you can register. And if you register, which doesn't cost you anything, it just proves you're a real person, so the spam bots won't crash our site. When you register and you go to the radio show, it's going to give you an archive of all the shows going back to the first of the year. Uh-huh. And you can download those and listen to them anytime you want, and that's in digital quality with no commercials. That's even better, huh? That's right. So <laughs> that's just one advantage of being a registered user on the site. So I urge everybody to go ahead and register on that site. Now, when you register, the only thing it's going to do is give you more menu options. If you want to get like our newsletter, you have to register for that separately. That's Correct. a separate thing. And you can do one without the other. Or you can do or, both. Or both, or however either. you want to do it. Reason being, I didn't want to send people a newsletter if they didn't want it, so I made it where it's two separate things. Exactly. So, anyway, pop on there and see what you think. It's www.agcoauto.com. I think you'll really like it. And we got Marie online. Good morning, Marie. Good morning. Yes, ma'am. Good morning. I have a, a Ford Explorer, 2006, okay. four-door sport. Yes, ma'am. Not a sport track. It's got 110,000 miles okay. on it because I put about 35,000 a year. Okay. But my question is, now in the last couple of months, I've been noticing when I'm at, right at 20 miles an hour going up to 30 and 40, mm-hmm. it sounds like it's in overdrive where, you know, that loud uh, engine noise. Does it have a tachometer in it, Marie? Yeah, the tachometer runs up to three, yes. Okay. Is the tachometer reading higher than normal? I think it, well, I, I really go more by sound because I never noticed it. Well, see, the 20. reason being, that vehicle has a lot, a lot of trouble with wheel bearings going bad in it, and that's going to give you almost the same sound. So if you just listen to the sound, you're going to kind of get misled. Because if a wheel yeah. bearing is going bad, you're going to get a kind of noise, and it's going to get louder as you go faster, and it's going to sound like the motor's running real fast because we get that a lot and come to find out it's a bad wheel bearing. But they've had a pretty high failure rate on the wheel bearings and the rear differentials in those vehicles at about that mileage. So I would want well, to check that first. Well, it's really, it's really, it, it, it'll find its spot and then it'll drop back down. 
the engine noise will drop back to normal. Yeah. So I have to wait for it to find its its groove, and then it drops right back to normal. That's what I didn't understand. Yeah, I just have to kind of drive it to make sure what you're talking about, Marie. But if it is a transmission issue, and again, they've had a fair number of transmission problems with that unit. That's got a 5R55 transmission in it. And they have a lot of trouble with second gear going out in them at about that mileage. What you might want to do is pull the dipstick on the transmission. Oh, I'm sorry, that one doesn't have a right. dipstick. Oh, it's got a sealed unit. Yeah, it's got a, yeah, it's got a right. sealed pan. You'd have to bring that one in, and let's check and see if the fluid smells burned in it. We could do a pressure test on it and tell you if it's inside or outside the transmission. That's a relatively inexpensive test. Look, of, what, a, I did, mm-hmm. what I did was I brought it in to the dealership and had them run, do an oil change, okay. and then Engine they hooked oil. it up to the computer, yeah. and they said my transmission wasn't due to be checked until 150,000 miles. Yeah, but they're trying to sell you a new car. Well, I have to get a new car now. <laughs> it's going to be an F-150, or yeah. it's going to be a yeah. Honda Element. Because my husband's in a wheelchair, and we've yeah. got to get him into... Yeah, so they're in the business selling new cars, set. so they hope you don't service it at all. Right. But, I mean, that problem could probably be headed off at this point in time and maybe fixed where you get a lot more miles out of it. Hey, I'm sorry we're totally out of time this morning. How much we appreciate everybody listening this morning and every Saturday morning on Automotive Hour. Preceding was opinion based on our experience in the automotive industry. We'd like to thank our podcasters for listening every week and tell your friends. That's right. Have a great weekend.